and welcome to my hearth. I've entitled this particular episode, It Takes a Village. I know that comes from the saying, it takes a village to create a child. But it also takes a village to create an identifiable and believable setting for any story. Very often, the team of people that inhabit the story become the reason for the story itself. I'm talking particularly about stories where the location is small enough for everyone to know everybody else in that particular village. And so the village has its own identity. Whether that is Mrs Gaskill's Cranford or Lark Rise to Candleford, we identify with the village because we identify with the interactions between the people that inhabit it. The wonderful thing about the English village is it allows you to have a collection of eccentrics. People whose personalities are so memorable that you identify with them, they seem incredibly real. You remember them because they are slightly odd. Now, I'm not just talking about murder mysteries. I'm talking about somewhere that has its own reliable identity. People often say that London doesn't have its own identity because it really is a collection of villages. And so each area has its own identity. I know various areas of London very well. And the identity of those sections is very clear. I spent the first eight years that I lived in London in Hoxton, and that certainly had its own identity. Now I live in West London, that identity is very different. I've spoken quite a lot about the Lake District so far in my podcasts, but I want to talk more about the village in Essex, where I went to primary school. This is the village where I was born. And although I spent a lot of time in the north of England before I went to primary school, once I got to primary school, school time itself was spent in that village. All the holiday periods at that time, we were often away, usually in the north of England somewhere. I went to boarding school when I was 11 so really it's the ages from when I was 5 to 11 that I identify with that particular village. It was located on a river and so the river gave it its identity. Just as Keswick was defined by its lake, Lake Derwent Water, So Holbridge was defined by its river, which was the River Crouch. The river was extremely tidal, so when the tide was out, the river bank was revealed in all its muddy glory. When the river was high, you could do all sorts of things in it. You could sail on it, you could swim in it. If you'd wanted to, you could have canoed on it. It had its own yacht club, and my uncle was a member of it, and we had a boat, and we used to sail up and down. The boat was called the Patricia Anne, the Patty Anne, 
and it was a tideway. I enjoyed sailing with him, although I was not a natural sailor like my sister was. My sister would have done very well in Pirates of the Caribbean, although she would have been one of the more aggressive ones. If another boat came near us, and they saw that Mandy was the crew, they very quickly got out the way of her. The local pub was on the river, and there were shops near the river. There was also a, a caravan site near the river, and people used to like to come and spend weekends in our village. Now I've got ever such a lot to say about the village, so I've got to decide how I start and divide it up for each episode. I have already mentioned my uncle, so I think I'll start with him. The first thing to say is that he wasn't really an uncle. At that particular time, and I'm sure that's still the case, there are various people in your lives that you call uncle and aunt who aren't actually blood relatives. I didn't mind that. I had enough real uncles and aunts to go around. But the first thing to say about my uncle is that he was an extremely interesting character, and if you wrote him, people wouldn't believe it. First of all was his actual surname, which was Galifant, G-A-L-L-I-F-A-N-T, which I believe would originally have been pronounced Chalifant. However, he was so un-French you wouldn't have believed it. He was in fact as English as a jelly deal. Now because his name was so unusual, everybody didn't call him Albert Jalifant, they called him Bertie G. Or for short, just referred to him as G. And when I was little, I thought his surname must have been spelt G-double-E. Even my father called him G. They had obviously known each other for years. And it was interesting that when Uncle G was in London, he lived in Dalston. And my father, as I say, was originally born in Clapton Pond. So they could have met at a very early age. He was by trade a specific stage carpenter. Well, in fact, it wasn't really a stage carpenter. He worked for the television. And he met and knew lots of actors at that particular time. And several of them came to stay in his little bungalow that he had in Holbridge uh, for a break. One of them was Stratford Johns, who became famous uh, when he was in Zedcars, a police detective series at the time. I have some autograph books that he had done for me when he was doing his theatre carpentry job for the television. And all kinds of people are in that that were famous showbiz people of the time. I didn't really know who Duane Eddy or Alma Cogan were, but I did like their names in my autograph book. Uncle G was also a really good motorbike person. 
Now, I'm using the definition of that very loosely because I don't remember him having a motorcycle, but I do know that at one point he had a motorcycle and sidecar, and his wife Helen sat in the sidecar, and I always thought, oh, I'd quite like to do that. He'd also been such a good rider that he'd taken part in the Isle of Man TT races. The problem was that he went on to drive his car as though it was a motorbike and as though you could weave in and out of the traffic with the ease of a motorcycle. And whenever I was driving with him, I was absolutely petrified and very often got car sick when I was with him. In fact, his driving put me off cars for a very long while. I didn't learn to drive till I was quite old as a result of it. I needed to get over the trauma of riding with Uncle G. His language and accent were extraordinary. He was very, very East End of London Cockney and had a habit of saying things like Yerst for yes. However, there were certain things where he was very special. One of them was that he adored my sister and I. He and his wife, unfortunately, had been unable to have children, and so we became their surrogate family. He treated us as though we were his own relatives, and we treated him as though he was a real uncle. In fact, for the most part, he was closer to us than any of our other uncles. The other thing that was special about him was that he liked to go out. Now, I don't know whether it's because my father had had quite a difficult war and also in his daily job he was always having to be out and about, but my dad really was a, a homebody in the evenings and at weekends. Because my mother was an extraordinary cook, and my father loved her food, he would much rather we had a meal at home or had people round to dinner than to go out himself. He often had to go out to dinner as part of his job. So when he was at home, he wanted to stay at home. Both my parents loved going to the pictures. I think it's something that they've been brought up with. And they especially like to go somewhere special, like the Dominion, where we went to see Ben-Hur when it was in Cinerama. And thinking about it, in the late 50s, we didn't go on the train. He drove us all the way up to London and we watched Ben-Hur. It was a special family outing, a treat. We would also go on special outings to the theatre. It seems hard to imagine in this day and age that you could go to the theatre on a regular basis. Now all through my young life, in fact really until I went away to university, where obviously I was in a different city, the London theatre was very available to people because of its ticket prices. If there was something special on, sometimes we would go up to London 
on the coach to see it with a whole group of people that you knew. And that was an interesting village experience. However, our local repertory theatre was also very good. It was the Palace Theatre at Westcliff, and it had extremely good productions on at that particular time. Every time its programme changed, and that was quite frequently at that time, my mother would go with Uncle G to the theatre. They had a pact that he would take her to the theatre when she wanted to go, and she would accompany him to other things that he wanted to go to. One of these things is the professional wrestling, which is an art form in itself of great theatrical intent. And they had great fun there. I believe I may well be misremembering this, but that's fine. Uh, I think I was about nine or ten when the Cliffs Pavilion opened in South End, and they would go there for various things. Uncle G also liked middle-of-the-road music, especially things like big bands, you know, the sort of Glenn Miller sound. And they would go and see various people in concert. It sounds as though they lived a kind of Rolls-Royce lifestyle, but actually everything was very accessible to people in those days. Sometimes I would go with them to the theatre. One of my first memories is going to see Peter Pan, which I absolutely adored, and which had at that particular time Margaret Lockwood in it playing Mrs Darling and Julia Lockwood playing Peter Pan. I've already intimated that there's a lot to say about Uncle G, but I will continue with him in the next episode. <laughs>